0: You're listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Well, hey, Grace Family Church. So good to be here with you. My name is Mike, and I'm one of the campus pastors down in South Tampa. Hey, let's welcome all of our campuses, everyone watching online right now. And man, what a great week at Clash Camp. I was up there a couple days, and it was absolutely incredible. But let me tell you, the the people that I was so impressed by were the 244 adult volunteers who took off work, who went up, they were counselors with their kids, and uh, man, let's give it up for all of them right now. Although, they're all sleeping right now. They're taking naps, they're sleeping in this week because they had a long week being with students. And I love that we do clash camp every year because for us as a church, we're generational. And I'll say this, some of you couldn't go. A lot of us could not go up to camp, but uh, you know through our giving and serving and being here on a regular basis, man, you were a part of it. So thank you. Your generosity helps us to create a place that sets foundations in the heart of children and moments that they're never, ever, ever gonna forget. So, man, what a great week and uh, love being a part of that. Well, we are jumping into our series called Origins and throughout the series, we've been looking at different stories throughout the Bible and we've been learning about them and about these people, but we've also been learning uh, really how they can affect our lives. And we've all been challenged every week as we've gone through this series. And I'm excited this weekend because we're talking about Joseph this weekend. And the story of Joseph It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I would say even outside of the Gospels, besides the Gospels, the story of Joseph is probably my favorite. And I was thinking about it this week as I was preparing for the message as to why is this story one of my favorites? And I think the reason why is because when you read the story of Joseph, it's amazing to see how the way that he got to where he ended up was not anywhere near what he thought was gonna happen. Anybody else experience that in your life? Come on, if that's you, raise your hand, turn to somebody and say, that's me right now. Man, that, that's how I am. I, you know, for me, I've been through things in my life that I didn't plan on happening. You know, I, I've been engaged twice, married once. I never thought I was gonna be engaged more times than I was married. I kinda hoped I would be engaged as many times as I was married. Now, I married the right one, but still, I didn't know. And I think for a lot of us, we have a story that, you know, honestly, the path that we're on is different than what we would have thought. It's different than what we would have guessed. It's different than what even maybe for some of us we would have hoped. And our path is different. And I think it's normal to look at a story like Joseph and to see his story and how different it is and to go, man, that story connects with me. And so this weekend, I believe this is going to be a story that we're all going to be able to see ourselves inside of, and my hope is we're gonna be able to pull some things out and be challenged by that we can leave this weekend um, just being more dedicated or more committed to living our lives in the way God would want us to live. Now, his story is huge, so here's what we're gonna do this weekend. We're gonna divide up his story into five different stages uh, because that really is how you can divide up the story, and in each of the stage, I think we're gonna be able to see ourselves in one of the stages throughout our lives. So we're gonna jump into the story of Joseph. Uh, before we do that, let me give you a little bit of context. Joseph had 11 brothers. He was actually, or he, had, he had 11 brothers. He was number 11 of 12. His father, Jacob, also known as Israel, had all these kids. <laughs> and with 12 sons, you would think that you just barely even know. Like, by the time you got to number 11, like, you don't even know they're around. Like, I would imagine you didn't know. But it was interesting because in the story, Joseph, who is number 11, is actually his father's favorite. And he's not his father's favorite, like, I think I'm the favorite. He's his father's favorite, like, all of his brothers knew he was the favorite. In fact, in Genesis chapter 37, verse four, it says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Like it was clear that Joseph was his favorite son and it created tension and created problems. And if you have kids, you understand that. If any of your kids think that they're the favorite, (laughs) they're gonna tell their brothers, I think I'm the favorite. Right, we all kind of did that when we were kids. And in the midst of this tension that Joseph is in, he has a dream. And in that time, when you would have a dream that you remembered and it made sense, when you had that kind of dream, it was kind of considered that that's how God was speaking to you. So whenever you said, I have a dream, like they just thought this is the way God was speaking to us. That's not usually how it works now. And the way I know that is because my wife, she is the best person on the planet But when she has dreams, she's like, hey, I had a dream. And then she tells me about the dreams. Does anybody else have a spouse that tells you about the dreams? And she says it in a way that I should know like what she's saying, but she's like, okay. So I woke up and then I went to the store and I was with Jason, but Jason wasn't actually Jason, it was John, and then John was with me and you were there, but you weren't really there. It was actually Carson who was there, but, but but you actually had the body of a horse and I'm like, I don't understand where you're going with this. Like what do you? And like almost like, well, you should know what I'm talking. I don't know what you're talking about, okay? So in our day and age, I'm not sure that's always how God spoke, but they thought that's how God spoke in that time. So he has a dream thinking, this is from God. And as soon as he gets the dream, he wakes up and he is a 16 year old kid, walks out to his brothers and he says, "Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and they bowed down to it. What do you think that could mean? <laughs> they knew what that meant. Essentially what Joseph is saying is, hey, God just told me one day I'm gonna be your boss. I'm gonna be in charge of you. I'm gonna be your leader. And as you can imagine, his older brothers did not like that. But when he had this dream, he entered into the first stage that we're going to look at, and it's the possibility stage. And the possibility stage, this is when you have a dream. This is when you have a dream, but you really don't know how you're going to make the dream happen. This is when you have a dream of starting a business. Maybe some of you have started a business, but when you have the dream, but you don't really know how you're going to start it, this is when you're either engaged to be married or you wanna be married, but you're not really sure exactly how it's gonna happen. This is the stage where like, like you wanna have kids, maybe you're pregnant to have a kid, but you don't have any kids yet, and, and you have some ideas on how to parent. I know that before we had kids, my wife and I would talk about parenting, and we thought we knew what we talked about. Or like, right, anybody else who has kids, like before you had kids? Like we said, when we have kids, when we have kids, our kids aren't gonna watch TV. There, there aren't gonna be toys everywhere. And I think I'm ready. What we learned is, TV is a great babysitter. <laughs> Super cheap. Great babysitter. Um, there are toys everywhere because you lose the control of your house for I don't know how long because while I was preparing the message this week for about four hours a day, my 13 to 15 year old boys dribble the basketball in our living room nonstop. So there's still toys everywhere, so that I don't know when that stops. And the third thing is I thought I was ready. What I've learned now is I'm still not ready. I still don't know what I'm doing and I'm still making it up. Like I wasn't ready for that. But, but in this possibility stage, in this dream stage, there's almost this, the, the way that I've said it is, it's, it's like a divine naivety. Like you have like this, like God gives us the ability for us to not know what we're talking about and to not be messed up by all the people who tell us how bad it's going to be. Because that's what people do, don't they? It, when, you, when you're pregnant, everyone's like, oh, life is over now. And when you get married <laughs> or when you get engaged, oh, the ball and chain. I, I, I do a lot of weddings as a pastor, and I'll tell you what, the way that the groomsmen talk to the groom is so different than the way the bridesmaids talk to the bride. The bridesmaids are like, This is your special day. And the groomsmen are like, Last drink of your light. Like, 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 they just, the way they interact is so different. And, and, but, but people want to tell us, how bad things are gonna be. When you have a dream about a business and you tell anyone, like as soon as you start talking about your dream, people wanna tell you how hard it's gonna be. But if you're in this stage, this possibility stage where you have a dream right now and you're still trying to figure out, am I gonna pursue it? Is this from God? Am I gonna go after it? What you need is you need people with wisdom around you that will encourage you. You want people with wisdom around you because every dream you have or every idea you have, you shouldn't go chase. So you need people with wisdom around you to help guide you and direct you and you can give feedback to, but you also need need those people to encourage you. You need them to look you in the eye when you're not sure if you're gonna pursue your dream and say, hey, there is more in you than you know. You can do this, God's got you. You need some people like that around you. And if you're in that possibility stage, you need those people who have wisdom, but they're encouragers. And for Joseph, he didn't have that. Joseph had his brothers, and his brothers, it says in verse eight, said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And the tension got worse, until one day his brothers are out in the field, they're tending to their sheep, and they see Joseph coming to check on them. And when Joseph comes to check on them, They have an idea, and hey, why don't we kill him? And they say, Reuben kind of says no, one of his brothers says no, we're not gonna kill him. Wait, let's just grab him and throw him in a pit until we know what to do with him. So they grab Joseph, they throw him in a pit, they're not sure what to do, and they see some foreigners traveling by, and they say, hey, let's have mercy on our brother. Instead of killing him, (laughs) let's just sell him as a slave. And they grab Joseph out of the pit, and they sell him to the strangers. It doesn't really talk about this in the story. You should go back and read the story. But but it never really talks about the interaction between Joseph and his brothers during this. Because I'm sure Joseph wasn't silent. And I would imagine the way he pleaded with his brothers, the way he asked them not to do this, I would imagine that his brothers always remembered the way that Joseph cried when they sold him out of slavery. And I can imagine for the brothers watching their brother walk away over the horizon, realizing maybe we just made the worst mistake of our lives. I would imagine the regret and the guilt and the pain they felt when they sold Joseph into slavery. And can you imagine how Joseph felt? Because he had this dream and probably felt like that was a dream from God. This is what God wanted, God's intention for me was to rule my family, was to lead my family. And now he was, sold into slavery. He gets taken to a selling block. People looking him up and down, someone buys him. And the person who buys him is a guy named Potiphar, and he's an Egyptian official. He serves Pharaoh in Egypt. And when Pharaoh, or when Potiphar buys Joseph, Joseph steps into the second stage, and it's the preparation stage. And Joseph is with Potiphar for 10 years. He's there for 10 years. And the reason why I say it's a preparation stage is because for Joseph, if God intended him, tell you a little bit in the future in the story, if God intended Joseph one day to be an Egyptian official, where do you put someone that you're trying to train to be an Egyptian official? Well, God put him in the home of an Egyptian official. In Potiphar's house, that's where Joseph was gonna learn how to talk, how to dress, how to have manners, how to interact with other Egyptian officials. This is where Joseph was going to learn how to treat and interact with royalty. It was going to happen in Potiphar's house. And In Genesis 39-4, it says, Joseph found favor in his eyes, in Potiphar's eyes, and became his attendant. And Pot- Potiphar put him uh, in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. He essentially put him there and said, you are now in charge of everything, And for Joseph, this is a season for him to prepare. And for some of us in this preparation stage that we're in, in our lives, God tends to put us in a preparation stage to get us ready for what's next. But but this stage is hard. Because God is trying to prepare you for where he wants you to go, but you have no idea where he wants you to go right now. You can't see it. And it's a struggle. And you wanna start a business? but you work for somebody right now. You wanna be in a great relationship, but you just can't seem to make it happen. Like, like you want a lot of things, you have a dream of a lot of things, but you feel like God didn't even hear you, and in some ways you feel like he's absent. But I believe that God puts us in this preparation stage to prepare us to do what we need to do for where he wants us to go. And, and I would say this, if you are in this stage right now and God is preparing you, you've gotta learn. You gotta learn. And here's where the trust comes in. You gotta say, God, I don't know why I'm here, but in this stage, I'm gonna learn. I'm a little bit over my head, I'm gonna learn. My boss, like your boss may not be great right now, but God has put the exact right boss in your life for you to learn from them. And, And you say, but they're a terrible boss. Well, you can learn a lot from terrible bosses. You can learn a lot from who you don't wanna be from terrible bosses. The thing that will kill you in this preparation stage or it will stunt this preparation stage is if you just sit around complaining about all the hard things that are happening to you. Stop complaining. Start learning. Stop complaining about what you don't have. Stop complaining about the spouse that you can't find. Okay, Get your life right. Quit going to the club looking for them. Quit having one night stands. Quit letting him talk to you on, on, on your little dating apps that you have and, and acting like that's okay, but then complain that you can't find a husband. Okay, in that's, that's, this stage, the preparation stage, this is when we learn and this is when we get better. This is when we grow. God puts us here to teach us how to do what we need to do in the season, and that's what he's doing for Joseph. And Joseph gets an education. 10 years in Potiphar's house, he did everything. And when something needed to be done around the house, Joseph did it. Except the problem with that is, is that Potiphar could then lean into work. He could go to the palace. He, he could, he could like not have to check in at home. So when they needed the dishes done, Joseph did the dishes. When and the floor needed to be swept, Joseph swept the floor. And when Potiphar's wife needed a light bulb to be changed, Joseph changed the light bulb. And over time, the story doesn't really talk about this, but Joseph and Potiphar's wife probably had a friendship. They were probably friends. And everything she needed around the house, Joseph was there. And every time she needed to talk to someone, Joseph was there. Till one day, Potiphar's wife decides, I wanna take this relationship to a different level. Because at this point, he's 26, it's been 10 years. He came in as a 16-year-old, now he's a 26-year-old. He is a young man who essentially does whatever she needs. So she makes a move on him and he, his answer, and again, it's, it's not, I'm not gonna show you the verse, but you gotta read the story. His answer is, I could not sin against God. And I love that answer because you would look at the stage of his life and go, sin against God? You're a slave, Joseph. Why are you being faithful to a God who would allow you to be in slavery? But there is something about Joseph. I'm telling you, there is something about Joseph. He just understood that God works behind the scenes even though I can't see it. And God's working behind the scenes in your life. And you may not be able to see it. And he may feel absent, but he is not absent from you. He is with you, working on things and you don't even know. And so Joseph says, I could not sin against God. But she's aggressive. And she grabs his coat. And instead of letting letting her pull him in, he drops his coat and he runs But she's embarrassed. And honestly, she probably feels humiliated and a little bit mad because honestly, he's never really told her no before about anything. So when Potiphar gets home, she's got his coat. She holds up his coat and she says, look what your slave did to me, he tried to rape me. And it says in Genesis chapter 39, Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And Joseph gets thrown to prison, and as he gets thrown into prison, he enters the third stage of his life, the patience stage, the patience stage, where Joseph lives for three years as a prisoner. And while he was there, things started to go okay. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 22, it says, the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. In other words, Joseph, you're now in charge of all of the prisoners. whoop de doo I mean, think about it. God, you gave me a dream. I'm gonna gonna lead my family, but at least I'm an Egyptian official's house, and at least I get to lead on some level, have some influence but God, I didn't even do anything. I didn't rape her, she accused me, she started it. And now I'm in jail, ooh, the warden likes me. Who cares? And in this stage, if you're in this stage, this is a frustrating stage. And here's how you know you're in the patient stage. When your ability is greater than your opportunity, when you feel like, I have so much more to offer, but no doors open. I'm ready for that spouse, can't find anybody. I'm ready for that promotion, there's nothing. I'm ready, but nothing's happening. When your ability exceeds your opportunity, here's what I believe God does, and here's what I believe God does, did with Joseph. I believe that God used the preparation stage to teach Joseph how to do all the work that he needed to do so that he could be where God was sending him to go. I believe the patient stage is when God said, okay, you don't need to learn how to do anything else because you don't need any more skills to lead in the prison. In this season, it's just not about developing your skills. In this season, it's about developing your heart. I believe in the patient season, When your ability is greater than your opportunity, God turns the sights inward and says, now it's time to work on your heart. Now is the time to forgive. Now is the time to let go. And you may think to yourself, but Mike, forgive. You don't understand what they did. That's true. But Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. Your story might be worse, but I bet most of ours isn't. And here's why I believe this is important for Joseph. Because let's say Joseph never forgave his brothers. Let's say Joseph held on to that bitterness, and that bitterness, I'm telling you, it will steal your joy and it will kill every good thing in your life. If your unforgiveness will steal it away. And if you let that unforgiveness stay with you, it's gonna tear down every good thing in your life. And if Joseph would not have forgiven his brothers, you know what would have happened? then later when Joseph experienced his brothers later in his life, you know what he would have done to his brothers? He probably would have killed them. But think about this. Joseph's dad was named Jacob. Jacob was also known as Israel. Israel had 12 sons. His 12 sons were the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob, Israel, his 12 sons were the nation of Israel. If Joseph would not have forgiven his brothers, Joseph would have killed 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. He would have almost single-handedly wiped out the nation of Israel because of his unforgiveness. He had no idea what hung in the balance of what he needed to do in that prison to forgive his brothers. And you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your need to forgive the person who hurt you. You have no idea. But if you're in the patient season, God has put you here to work on you. So stop looking out, stop blaming others, stop being mad and bitter. This is the time to look inward. This is the time to look inward. And if you're in a patient season, I'm telling you, this is a gift. God has given you the gift to work on yourself. It is a hard season, but God is with you in this stage. So for three years, He's in this prison. And he doesn't know it's only three years. I'm gonna remember this. He thinks for the rest of my life, I'm in prison. And one day though, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he has two dreams. And he has two dreams and they stick with him and he tries to find everyone he can to interpret because even in, in Egypt, they thought a dream was a vision from God. And so he tries to get someone to interpret these dreams and he goes to all his usual sources. And no one can interpret these dreams until someone who's close to Pharaoh goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, I actually know a guy in the prison, he can interpret dreams. So they take Joseph and they clean him up and they bring him before Pharaoh and they stand him before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, hey, I heard you can interpret dreams. And this is why the story's so good, you gotta read it. Joseph says, I can't interpret your dreams, but God can. Like, you know, Pharaoh, how you consider yourself deity and you think you're so much better? My God, who is so much bigger than you, can interpret your dreams. Hold on, Joseph. Didn't you just come from the prison and you're telling me how great your God is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That God can interpret your dreams. I love the story. I love the boldness that Joseph has in that moment. But then Pharaoh tells him the dream. And Joseph interprets the dream. And essentially the dream is about a famine that's impending on Egypt and on that region that for seven years, what's gonna happen? For seven years, they're gonna have a famine or they're gonna have like bumper crops, like it's gonna be incredible, but then seven years after that, there's gonna be a famine. And so Joseph tells all of the dream and what's going on, but then Joseph actually tells Pharaoh what to do with the dream and, and how to structure the economy for the next 14 years so that Egypt can be successful through the famine. He like lays out this whole plan on what to do. And then, and I I love this about the story, so Pharaoh asked them and he looks around all his advisors and he says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made this all known to you and there is no one so discerning as wise as you, you shall be in charge of my palace and all people are to be, are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And one of the reasons why I love this story is because in the matter of about, I don't know, 30 minutes, Joseph is in a prison, not sure what his future is going to be, and in a moment he gets pulled out, cleaned up, stood before Pharaoh, and now he's number two in the nation of Egypt. Because at times God can do more in a moment than you can do with all of your pushing, all of your trying, all of your struggles. And whatever season you're in right now, if you think I have got to fix this, I have got to control this, one of the best things we can do is say, God, you are in control and you're working behind the scenes and I trust you, I trust you. You got it and you can do better. And he enters into, and Jacob, or Joseph enters into, as he becomes number two, he enters into the next stage, which is the production stage. Because Joseph executes the plan that God gave him to manage the famine, and Egypt is the only country in their region that's even ready, because how would they know a famine's coming? People come from far, far and wide because they hear that Egypt has food, and they start training land and possessions and animals to Egypt in exchange for food, and without one war, Egypt becomes the most powerful nation in their region. And Joseph leads it, he leads it. Now, it would be easy to look at this part in the story and go, he did it, God did it. Close the book, let's pray and go home. Go be like Joseph, right? Like it, it, it would be easy to do that. But Joseph was living a dream. But he wasn't living his dream. Joseph's dream wasn't to rule Egypt. Joseph's dream was to lead his family. And and, and I think what Joseph felt while he was extremely successful, he had everything he needed, he had all the money, he actually got married, he had kids during that time, he had all the power he could ever ask for, more power than he ever thought he'd have in his life. I believe that Joseph was extremely successful and a little bit frustrated. Because that wasn't the dream that God put in his heart. That was not the dream that God gave him. And if you're in this stage of production and you're extremely successful, and you've got the cars, and you've got the house, and your friends look up to you, and your family, like when your parents talk about you, they talk about you first as like the sibling because you've got the most and you've done the best, and you're successful and it worked. And if you're in this stage, I think one of the biggest dangers in the stage that we end up settling for success over significance, and one of the greatest things we can do is is not to do that, is not settle for success over significance. Here's the question I would ask you. Are you living your dream? Are you living a dream? Like what is the greater good that God has made you for? Like how would God have you impact people and advance his kingdom on the earth? What's that dream? What's that dream? Uh, if you're in the production stage, I would ask that question and ask yourself, how, how can I make the impact that God has called me to make? What's the dream he has in my heart? So Joseph is doing that though. I think he's frustrated, but he's extremely successful. And then one day he's actually at a distribution center in Egypt where they're distributing the food because people are coming from far and wide to get food. And I can imagine he's sitting in somewhat of a throne but not really talking to people because he has people to talk to people. He's just there overseeing it. Like he's the man, like everyone knows he's the man and he's the man and they're the only nation with food. People are coming in, they're at his mercy and he's just number two in the nation. He's big, he's bad. He's sitting on a throne that looks like a throne in a distribution center And I can imagine there's a line out the door, and he sees some people walk up and they're dressed a little different. And it looks a little familiar. Then he sees the way they interact. And then he sees his brother laugh. And he realizes it's my brother. Those are my brothers. And the and the angst that he must have felt, and the struggle he must have felt. In fact, when you read the story, it's such a good story because Joseph doesn't know what to do. He actually takes those 10 brothers and just throws them in jail. And then he lets them out except for one. And then he he like plays these games with them and you can tell there's this wrestling match of what do I do and how do I handle it? And honestly, there's a part of him, you could just tell, there's part of him that wants to punish his brothers. But I believe what God did in the patient season allowed Joseph to not harm his brothers in the, in the promise. Like it allowed him to not, 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 not hit him in the season. And so he wrestled back and forth trying to figure it out until finally he decides he's gonna let his brothers know that it's him because his brothers don't know it's him. Because again, he dresses like an Egyptian, he talks like an Egyptian, he walk like an Egyptian, he walks like an Egyptian. He has all the chains on like an Egyptian, like all of those things that he'd have and he spoke in Egyptian, so, so they didn't know it was him. So finally he decides, I'm gonna tell them it's me. And it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living, <laughs> but his brothers we're not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence as they should have been terrified at his presence. Because they realized in a minute, the guy that we sold into slavery now holds all the power, he holds all the authority. He can do what he wants. But Joseph did not exact revenge. Joseph decided instead of taking it out on them, instead, he would step into the dream that God gave him. And he stepped into the fifth stage, which is the promise. And this is where the dream comes true. This is is where God shows up. This is when you realize all the things in the past, like he was working together for my good. And maybe you're in that stage this weekend, and you would say, I actually feel like I'm living in the promise. And and, and maybe you're in the promise in one stage of your life, but a different stage in a different area of your life, but because that happens sometimes in your marriage, you feel like you're in one stage and your career in another stage. But if you feel like you're in the promise, let me just say this, my encouragement to you is in this stage, keep your character, keep your character. The two things that try to slip in when you're in that promise stage is pride and entitlement. Don't let it sleep in. Don't let it get in there. Don't forget that you are only here because God has put you here. God's put you here. And and I love that Joseph actually says to his brothers, because his brothers are so freaked out, they don't know what to do. And Joseph looks his brothers in in the eye and he says, it was not you who sent me here, it was God. Part of the reason why we forgive the people that have hurt us in the past is because God is using that pain to mold you into the person that he wants you to be. And when we forgive, it grows us, and matures us, and God uses it. And we forgive because we trust that God is working behind the scenes. And God is working behind the scenes in your story. And I don't know what stage you're in right now, But I believe that for all of us, we can put ourselves in one of these stages across all of our campuses. But my encouragement, my challenge for you is, do you trust God in this stage? Do you trust that God is working behind the scenes for your good? Do you trust that he's got you? And the way I wanna wanna close across all of our campuses, I wanna have everyone just close your eyes and bow your head so no one's looking around But regardless of the stage you're in, if you would say today that I wanna trust God in the stage that I'm in right now. I wanna trust that God is in control, and maybe you don't feel that way right now, but you wanna take a step of trust, or maybe you're not sure if you can fully trust him, but you wanna take a step of trust. Regardless of the stage you're in, if you wanna say, God, I'm gonna choose to trust that you are working behind the scenes to get me to the promise. If that's you, just lift up your hands right now. Lift them both up. It's a sign of surrender to say, God, I trust you. I trust you across all of our campuses. Maybe today, this is the first step where you need to say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I've never said this before. I've never made you the Lord of my life, but that's you. Just lift up your hands right now. And as we lift our hands of surrender, I wanna pray a prayer of trust. Father, right now, we lift our hands and we choose to trust you. We lift our hands and we say, we know you are working behind the scenes regardless of the stage of our lives. You are working to bring things about that are good. God, you are working for our good. And so we choose to trust you. And we thank you that you continue to lead us in the direction that you want us to go. Help us to follow your voice and experience you more. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, I want to invite all of our campus pastors up to close out the service. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.